Welcome to the Idaho Debates. Tonight, the Republican primary candidates for Secretary of State. The Idaho Debates is organized by these partners. Funding provided by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, the Idaho Public Television Endowment, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Welcome to the Idaho Debates at the Idaho Public Television Studios. This is the third and final debate we're hosting before the May 17th primary election. Tonight, the three Republican candidates for Secretary of State take the stage to ask for your vote. The Secretary of State oversees election administration as well as campaign finance, voter registration, lobbyist registration, and business services. They also sit on the state land board. The winner of the Republican primary will face Democratic candidate Sean Keenan in the November general election. I want to welcome the candidates, Phil McGrain, Mary Souza, and Dorothy Moon. Ada County Clerk Phil McGrain took office in 2019. Prior to being elected, he worked for several years as an election specialist and deputy clerk. Senator Mary Souza has served four terms in the Idaho Senate. She co-owns a business and is a retired nurse. Representative Dorothy Moon has served three terms in the Idaho House of Representatives. She's a former special education teacher, instructor, and business owner. I also want to thank our panel of reporters who will be asking the candidates questions tonight. Betsy Russell of the Idaho Press, Kelsey Mosley-Morris of the Idaho Capital Sun, and Ryan Soupy of the Idaho Statesman. I'm Melissa Davlin, host of Idaho Reports here on Idaho Public Television. I'm moderating tonight's debate. To remind the candidates how long they've been talking is Ann Carlson, volunteer timekeeper from the League of Women Voters. Each candidate will be given 90 seconds for opening comments and 60 seconds for close. We drew numbers a few minutes ago to see who would go first. And Clerk McGrain, you have that honor. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you, Idaho Public Television and all the other sponsors and people who put all the work to make this happen today. I'm Phil McGrain, and I'm running to be your next Republican Secretary of State. There's a reason we're having these debates, not just the one tonight, but all of these debates, and it's because elections matter. And when it comes to our elections, experience counts. I've had the great fortune of spending my entire career ensuring that Idaho has free, fair, and secure elections. Right out of college almost 17 years ago, I fell into a job recruiting poll workers, training them, finding polling locations, and counting ballots when we still voted on the punch card. I've had the opportunity to work my way up and serve in all sorts of roles related to our elections and have been involved in every aspect, both as an administrator and as a candidate. I've had the great privilege of working with Secretary Denny and Secretary Usursa, and over the course of my career, I've counted almost nearly 2.5 million ballots. And one of the big things I wanna say is Idaho should be proud of our elections. I know I am. One of the main reasons I'm running here today is because I'm proud to be an Idahoan. I'm a fourth generation Idahoan, and I have a couple of kids with my wife, Angela, who are fifth generation Idahoans, and I want them to be just as blessed as I have been. I'm looking forward to the conversation tonight. I'm looking forward to the questions, and I hope that you will see experience counts in this race. Thank you. Senator Souza. Thank you, Melissa. I'm Senator Mary Souza, and I'm finishing my eighth year in the Senate. I'm running for Idaho Secretary of State to protect our elections, to protect our businesses, and to protect our endowment lands. Those are the three main responsibilities of the Secretary of State. 
During the 2020 elections, Facebook money came into our Idaho elections. My opponent, Ada County Clerk Phil McGrain, was the first person and only person to be directly contacted by the Facebook funding group. He accepted $500,000 of their money and recommended to all the other county clerks that they apply for the money as well. And at no time did any of them ever consult with the Secretary of State's office. This money was not for a candidate or a ballot measure. It was to actually run our elections. I was the first Idaho lawmaker to find out about this money, and I quickly drafted and got through the system a bill signed into law by the governor. The, the bill will stop, has stopped any further Facebook money or any private dark money from coming into Idaho to run our elections ever again. I've been focused on elections since 2009, and during my time in the Senate, I have sponsored 15 bills on election integrity and transparency. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you tonight, and my thanks to the Idaho Public Broadcasting System and our moderators. Thank you. Thank you. Representative Moon. Thank you, Melissa. I'm Dorothy Moon, and I live in Custer County off-grid with my husband, and I've been up there with my uh, raising my kids for the past 18 years in uh, central Idaho. I taught at uh, Chalice High School. I was a high school science teacher as well as a special ed director, and I left in 2012 and moved on to other ventures. Uh, I've also uh, been the president of Moon & Associates, a civil engineering and land surveying company, and uh, in our free time, we're gold miners, and we also cut logs and build little baby log homes. So I've been representing Legislative District 8 for the past six years, which covers 16,000 square miles, the largest district in this state. I'm very proud to represent rural Idaho and the 97% I've earned for my, conser uh, my, my conservative votes in the American Conservative Union I'm very proud of. I want to be your next Secretary of State because election integrity issues are a concern of Idahoans. As your Chief Election Officer, maintaining uniformity and consistency in our elections is something I promise you we will have. I also am very familiar with resources. Uh, I have been um, up in the woods for a long time, and being among the resources, I've been surrounded by fire and uh, other things that have happened as far as flooding and so forth. Uh, as far as the things I've been involved with, water rights, fuels reduction in our forest, mine permitting, and also grazing allotments. And with my master's degree in resource planning, getting the highest economic returns on our endowment lands is something I will be able to achieve. My name is Dorothy Moon, running for Secretary of State. Thank you. Thank you. The first question comes from Betsy Russell. Clerk McGrain, when there have been issues in Ada County elections, how have you handled them? And what lessons have you learned from running elections in the state's largest county that you'd like to bring to elections statewide? Thank you for the question, Betsy. I think it's one of the things that highlights just my experience. Having been involved in every aspect of our elections, I think what's one of the important things that I bring to the Secretary of State's office. I'm not just looking at it from a broad level, but I've actually been on the ground, working in polling places, dealing with the challenges of poll workers, printing ballots, and all of the logistics that go into our elections. Many people don't realize just how big of a scale they are. Often, elections are the largest event planning operation in any community in our state. 
And I've been through the experiences, both when it's gone really well and the challenges that come along with our elections. And so I've learned from that. And I think one of the things we need in terms of a Secretary of State is that experience. So that when a county clerk or anyone else calls, that they have the answers to the questions, both in terms of how our laws work, but also how things work practically on the ground. I think most Idahoans can relate to that in their jobs. Needing someone that you can turn to who has the experience, knows the nuances of what you're doing on the ground and how that will impact things. I face challenges, whether that's been printing ballots or other things, and have been quick to jump on and react to those challenges when they've come up. You know, elections are so involved, they're not necessarily easy. But that's where it takes a team of people, whether that's the 1,300 poll workers we use or all of the other elected officials and partners that we have along the way. It's why I'm proud to have county support throughout the state, whether it's county commissioners, clerks, sheriffs, or others, because we work hard to make sure our elections work well. Can you give us an example of one of those times when things haven't gone really well and, and what you did to deal with it? A absolutely. I'll give a, a great example just from the November election that just came up. All right, we had an issue where many, many people may not realize we rotate the names of candidates on the ballot, right? Making sure that each candidate gets a turn at the top. Uh, we found out that there was an error related to one of the races printing those ballots. We were quick to jump on that and to print new ballots to make sure that voters in early voting and on election day would have the right resources. When we learned that the election was close, I shared that information with all involved, including the candidates. We conducted a recount where everything matched and worked with everybody involved. And I think it's one of the best examples of elections integrity, is making sure everyone has the resources. One of the things I learned through that process was that we needed a tool to address it in case we ever need to take an election to a judge. And I'm proud to say I got legislation through this past session to make that possible, that we can have judicial review in a close election and giving the authority to a judge to call a new election if it's necessary. I think those, that's a good example of just having that on the ground experience and knowing when something nuanced like that happens, what to do and how to react. And actually, Senator Souza, you are next, and if I may pose the question to you. Um, Betsy, I wanted to respond to what Clerk McGrain just said. Okay, sure. If I could. Please. Thank you. I just wanted to make a comment about the Meridian City Council race that you were referring to in the November election, and that I had a conversation with the gentleman that was not rotated as his name was on the ballot. And he told me that it was not until after the election and after you realized, your office realized that it was going to be a close election, that you let the people involved know that there could be a problem, that there was something that wasn't done correctly. I've been a, a business owner for 37 years with my husband, and I was general manager for 15 of those years. I know that mistakes happen, but it's how you handle the mistake that makes the difference. Transparency is really important in our elections, and I would have preferred to see you or your office give that information to the people involved on that ballot right as soon as you discovered it so they would have anticipated that this could be something that they should watch. I'll give you 60 seconds to respond. Thank you, Melissa. I think that highlights just the lack of experience when it comes to how complex our elections are and everything that's involved. I think one of the biggest challenges, there are so many moving parts, and this is an example. The rotation on the ballots, it's just a matter of having equal uh, opportunity for the candidates. And on a top ticket race, like the Meridian City Council race, it has a very minimal impact. Uh, it's the down ballot races where it has a huge effect. 
in every instance, uh, we track and monitor and make sure that we keep track of everything so that we can share it with the candidates and give them the tools. I worked very closely with the candidate in this race to make sure he had all the information tools and even guided him through the recount process to make sure he could see all aspects of our elections. I think the biggest challenge is I would have liked to put this before a judge, and it's why I worked on legislation, because we didn't have it in our elections to try and address this issue, and now we do. I think it's that kind of leadership that we need in the Secretary of State's office. Senator Susan. Excuse me, Betsy. Alyssa, I've got to address this, too, because this isn't quite the end of the story. I'll give you 60 seconds, and then we need to... Thank you, and I appreciate that. So, Michael Hahn, I interviewed him almost immediately, and I think, uh, Clerk McGrain, is that the fact of the matter is you were aware that the ballots went out not randomized, and it was 2,100. So I guess it was statistically how these 56 votes uh, that he lost by, statistically, was that enough or not near a margin of error to where he could have actually prevailed. So I think the problem is that it should have been caught immediately, it should have been stopped immediately instead of letting it go, and then you had to seek counsel from the Secretary of State and the Attorney General's office. And, I, and as much experience as you've had, I would have thought that maybe this is something you would have either just rerun, uh, retrieved those 2,100 ballots and done the election over, but uh, the fact that you didn't have a remedy right away was very concerning to the candidate and also to me. I'll, I'll give you 30 seconds and then we really do need to move on. Okay. Uh, Melissa, once again, this just shows a lack of understanding of how our election laws work in Idaho. I sought the counsel and assistance of the Attorney General and the Secretary of State because that's what Idaho law requires. I did not have the legal authority to address it, so I went to those who do have the legal authority and actually guided Secretary Denny in a way that we could have put it before a judge. It's that level of experiencing and knowing Title 34 in our elections code that really is the necessary skills to be Secretary of State. Senator Sousa, you've spent your political career in the legislature, not running an elections office. What in your experience qualifies you to be Idaho's Secretary of State and to oversee elections statewide? Thank you, Betsy. That's a really excellent question. The role of Secretary of State is very different than the role of county clerks. The, role, the county clerks are in charge, as Clerk McGrain has ex explained, they are in charge of the day-to-day -day logistics during the election season and preparing and getting uh, all of the, the records correct. The Secretary of State is much more of a supervisory job. The Secretary is titled the Chief Elections Officer of the State not to run elections, but to oversee the election laws that we have on our books and to make sure that those laws are enforced and updated as needed. Right now, we have some very antiquated laws in our uh, election system. For example, in 2009, I was in, in uh, North Idaho where I live, and we had a city council race that was determined by five votes. Betsy, I was actually writing a political column for the Coeur d'Alene Press at the time. I wasn't in politics, and I was sitting in the audience taking notes on this court trial that pursued, that um, ensued from the uh, city council race that was so close. My eyes were opened. I couldn't believe what we found, what was found, and I thought our system was rock solid, but it wasn't. And one of the examples is that a woman from Canada who had lived there for 20 years voted legally in our city council race because the definition of resident had not been changed for a very long time, and it still hasn't been changed to this day. 
Representative Moon, same question. What, in your experience, qualifies you to be Idaho's Secretary of State and oversee elections statewide? Thank you, Betsy. Uh, I think my qualifications are the fact that I've run businesses. Uh, I have the Moon and Associates business. We've been, uh, we probably had uh, 20 employees, uh, maybe 25, over the course of, uh, since 1994. So I definitely know how to uh, manage people. I definitely know how to hire. I definitely know how to fire. Uh, as far as my uh, get it done attitude and use education as a good way to make sure that our poll watchers, our election workers, and our clerk understand what their responsibilities are every time an election comes up. Uh, I understand that after the abs all absentee ballot election primary that there was a lot of concern about how poll watchers were treated how they were not allowed to come into the room and watch it when watch the machines when they were tabulating uh, so uh, there were a couple of times I had to call the Secretary of State's office and say if uh, my poll watcher leaves this county they're not gonna be able to come back in through that door so um, th there was a lot of trial and error during that period but fact of the matter is everybody serves a certain position during elections and as an educator one of the first things I would do is go to all 44 counties and make sure everybody understands what their job is and what it entails and then you have challengers that come into the to, into the equation as well. So that to me, education to make sure everyone knows which lane they stay in, what they need to be doing to make sure the public feels confidence in the system and removes any doubt that there's problems in the system. Next question comes from Ryan Soupy. Uh, question for all the candidates. Um, do you believe Joe Biden fairly won the 2020 presidential election? Please answer yes or no and say why or why not. Clerk McGrain. Ryan, I, I think it's so interesting that you asked that question because it's a reflection of just where we are and so many of the current concerns that have come out of the 2020 election. Joe Biden was elected president during that election, but one of the things I've seen and experienced as I've traveled around the state is the concerns that Idaho voters have. I think when most Idahoans reflect on their voting experience and heading to the polls and the poll workers there checking them in, they feel confident about their elections locally. But when they look across the country, there are many concerns, even the reactions like we watched in Arizona in terms of how they handled the post-election process. But one of the big things I want to do as Secretary of State is make sure that Idahoans feel confident that when they drop their ballot in the ballot box, that your vote will count and that your vote will count just the same as anyone else and that no one is tampering with our elections. We have a great election system here in the state, and I'm going to do everything I can to continue to ensure that well into the future. Senator Souza, same question. Thank you, Ryan. I have a different opinion. I do not think that Joe Biden won the presidential election, but he has been named president and that's been certified. So I'm not suggesting we would go back, but we have to learn from what happened. And there were many things, I will call it death by a thousand cuts, as the Chinese uh, would put it. It was ballot harvesting. It was ballot boxes that were either videotaped or, but they were not manned. It was um, a lot of small changes in law that were significant during the COVID crisis in many of the swing states. And they were not done legally by the, the state legislatures. They were done by judges or secretaries of state. I am a member of the Honest Election Project, which is only a dozen legislators across the country and we get together twice a year for intense workshops with election experts. All of the other 11 legislators are from swing states, like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and more. 
And we have the opportunity now to look back and see what happened in those states. Wisconsin is coming out with an, a shocking 150-page report about what happened in their state being done by their Office of Special Investigations. It's incredible, and I will refer to it later. But we have to be have our eyes wide open in Idaho and say we have to secure our system. Even if we don't have fraud right now, we, it is coming, and it is all around us, and we need to make sure we have a safe system. Representative Moon. Same question. Yes. Um, no. Uh, I think there was a big problem when we noticed at 11 o'clock at night all of the battleground states decided to go to bed, and then they were going to start back up at 8, 9, or 10 in the morning. In my lifetime, I had never seen that happen, nor had most Americans who stay up that late to watch for the results. So sadly, um, you know, the fact of the matter is we had to deal with it. Everyone was in shock. A lot of us, uh, based on polling, uh, President Trump should have been reelected. 65% of the people in this state voted for Trump, the highest in the entire nation. As a legislator, most phone calls that I have received and most emails and most personal contacts has all been about election integrity issues ever since that election. In fact, it was so bad that I decided to go out and meet with people. I went on a tour uh, from December on and met with thousands and thousands of people in four months at 40 different venues on weekends while I was in session. And the biggest issue was that, without a doubt, how come we didn't join the Texas lawsuit the minute that uh, this lawsuit came about? And it took our lieutenant governor to file an amicus brief in which 40 legislators signed on to, and I was one of them. In fact, I was one of only 11 to sign on to a petition for a forensic audit. So uh, I'm very concerned about what has happened. I, we cannot let it happen again, and Idaho needs to be the beacon on the hill and show that our elections will not be compromised and that we'll, we will definitely fight to make sure that they, there is no doubt in our system. How exactly would you rebuild that trust if you think that it failed so monumentally? Thanks, Melissa. Well, the way I'd try to do it, first of all, is make sure that we have a secure election act that actually got through the uh, legislature this year. I brought a bill forward that would have tightened up uh, identification uh, as far as residency requirements, things you could and couldn't use, and citizenship. Uh, and citizenship, I'm sure, will be a question coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and affidavits, we're allowing people to sign a piece of paper saying they are who they are, and we give them a ballot and upon receipt of that ballot, they vote it, and then maybe a few days later, the clerk might find out, hey, this person doesn't live in this county. They just filed an illegal ballot, which means you have just been canceled out. And we cannot allow any illegal vote to take out a, a legal vote in this state. And that is what I will do. And hopefully, working with the legislature, we can get rid of the affidavits. Uh, we can tighten things up, at least that are... Photo ID is not a reasonable requirement. We have to have government-issued photo ID to receive a ballot. Okay. Ryan, did you have a follow-up question? Uh, Representative Boone, you asked for the citizenship question. Here it comes. All uh, right. I thought it would be the first one. <laughs> Go ahead. An early version of your election integrity bill required proof of citizenship at the polls. Yes. Um, why should voters need to prove citizenship, citizenship at the polls? and who should be responsible for verifying it? Well, one, it's the law. You're supposed to be a citizen of the United States and of Idaho to vote, without a doubt. Uh, and as far as citizenship requirement, when uh, my bill, the Secure Election Act, was presented, one thing about 
people were trying to confuse the bill and say that you had to have a citizen requirement every time you would go in and register to vote. So if you moved from Custer County to Kootenai County, you'd have to go in with a boatload of documents to prove who you are. No, that's upon initial registration. As far as citizenship goes, there was a bill that was moved by uh, Representative Mitchell that would actually have your driver's license have a, an insignia or a stamp that stated whether you were a citizen or a non-citizen. And so that was something that moved through. Sadly, though, it wasn't mandatory. It, it was voluntary. Uh, had it been mandatory, then that was something that could be easily seen but any, at any election worker at the polls. But that didn't happen. So it was watered down with a mandatory uh, requirement. Uh, however, uh, as far as the citizenship goes, uh, there's multiple ways that they can prove citizenship. It has to be proved in one time. And uh, even if you come in from another state and you've proven citizenship there and you have a card such as this license I've just described that we have had passed by Representative Mitchell, well, then that card they could bring over from Indiana and use that card to go ahead and register to vote because they've already gone through the process of proving citizenship. Clerk McGrain, same question to you. Thank you, Ryan. I think this is a great example of just my experience. Up here, I'm the only candidate who's actually worked on these issues, who's worked with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to address citizenship issues. One of the biggest things is we don't have non-citizens voting in our elections. In any instance that we ever might, we're quick to pursue it. I, in Ada County, we've only ever had one instance where there's been an accusation of a non-citizen voting. And working with Homeland Security, out of the 300,000 registered voters that we have, we've narrowed it down to even eight possible non-citizens. I think the most important message is that we address this and we work on it. We have safeguards in place. When someone registers to vote, not only do they need to prove, show photo identification and proof of residence, but we actually verify against the Department of Motor Vehicles, Social Security Administration, vital statistics to make sure they're alive, and the Department of Corrections. In fact, the most common form of voter fraud that we see is felons voting. It's not people coming from Canada or elsewhere trying to influence our elections. We have a good system here in Idaho. We have safeguards in place across all 44 counties. And it is the role of the Secretary of State's office to ensure that that system is in place so the clerks can rely on it and make sure that our elections are secure. I think we have a good system in place. We have many safeguards. And you know, one of the things when we talk about photo identification, we've even implemented tools so that people can scan their photo ID when they're, right before they vote to look them up. It's improved the security of our system and made it more convenient for voters. Representative Moon, I'll give you 30 seconds. Thank respond. you. So, Clerk McGrain, you just said that there are, you know of no cases of a non-citizen voting in this election, and then you said you know of one, and then possibly eight more. So, yes, there have been non-citizens who have voted in this election. In fact, just recently, uh, I have an email thread uh, from a, a couple that had turned in um, uh, a person that they know who had voted illegally three times in an Ada County uh, elections. And this was turned over to the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State turned it over to you. Uh, supposedly, uh, it has is is gone to the Sheriff's Department. I don't know where it's gone from there. But as far I'm as... I'm happy to, to let you know and update you. And, and sorry for misspeaking initially. I think that's fair. I think one of the biggest things, this is a great example of actually the first request came to me directly. And it's because people recognize our role in these elections. And in this case, we did pursue it. We've worked with the, the sheriff's office. First, the voter has been removed from the rolls. It's been investigated as a potential voter fraud case, and it has been passed on 
to the prosecutor's office in Ada County, as well as the U.S. Attorney's Office for Prosecution. I think it's a good example of elections integrity because we do take these things seriously. And both as clerk and as Secretary of State, I will continue to fight to protect our elections. Ryan, the next question is for Senator Souza. Oh, I don't get the same question? Yes. Sure. Yeah, same question. About voter ID? Yes, please. Thank you. I was going to remark that Clerk McGrain's answers uh, to the voter ID issue have been mixed messages. And I had a voter ID bill as well. It was a comprehensive voter ID bill cleaning up our current laws, which have a mishmash of requirements for all the different ways you can register to vote and all the different ways you can vote. And we need consistency in our laws and clarity. Student IDs are not citizenship tested. They are not even valid for a lot of other reasons. They should not be used as a voting tool. But in Ada County, on their mobile voting truck, the, citizen, the students can use their student IDs to come out of college and register to vote and vote immediately. There, we have a problem with that because there's no control over what can be used. I would take st uh, student IDs off of that list immediately and require that the other IDs must have citizenship requirements on them in order to register to vote and to be shown at the polls. We don't need to have a different set of IDs. They can all be used. However, I will say that I think that we need to be clear on what our requirements are so that people know what to expect. There are fraudulent voters in our state. And Clerk McGrain constantly on the campaign trail is saying that we have no problem, we have no problem, everything is just fine. We need to open our eyes and make sure we have a common sense answer to these situations. Melissa, if I may. I'll give you 15 seconds and we really do have to move on. I think one of the biggest things, this is misleading in terms of legislation. Do we need greater clarity? Absolutely. But is the legislature's role to determine our laws? As Secretary of State and a clerk, it's our job to execute them. And one of the reasons that the legislation you mentioned didn't pass is because it specifically made it difficult for the military to vote. If we're going to ask our service members to serve and fight for us overseas, they should have the right to vote, especially if it's the governor that sent them there. All right, and the Melissa, next question can I, is for... Can I respond to that? I'll give you 15 seconds to respond, Thank and you. then we next question is from Kelsey. My voter ID bill did not... It took into consideration the UOCAVA and the military vote, and you were not there testifying on it. But um, Clerk McGrain likes to say that it's up to the legislature to pass the laws on elections, and that is absolutely true. But he also intervenes, and he intervenes in a way to stop the bills from being heard if he doesn't like them for political reasons. Well, we'll have to move on. Next question is from Kelsey. So as of April 13th, Idaho had more than 990,000 registered voters across 44 counties and 35 legislative districts. Elections are complex and can include everything from city councils, to school boards, to bonds and levies. Senator Souza, what do you believe is the most challenging aspect of running an election, and what would you change? Thank you, Kelsey. I would make sure that we have really strong leadership from the Secretary of State's office and strong communication to all of the counties. Each of our counties runs their elections in a slightly different way, partially because of it is their choice, but also because we have a very diverse uh, state. And campaigning all around the state, I will tell you, it is quite different from one part of the state to another. 
So the Secretary of State's office was never informed when Clerk McGrain in Ada County decided to take $500,000 of Facebook money without consulting with the Chief Elections Officer of the state. That shows, and then he also recommended to all the other uh, county clerks that they take this kind of money too, that they apply for Facebook money as well. That shows to me a lack of respect, leadership, and communication, and I think that is key. As a business owner of 37 years and uh, a um, general manager, we had a big staff, we still do, and I was a critical care nurse and a charge nurse before that. So in leadership positions, communication is essential. We must be able to respect the other members of our team, but also have that communication. Obviously, the clerks didn't feel the same way because they weren't willing to talk to the Secretary of State's office. Clerk McGrain, I'll give you a chance to respond to that in a, in a second, but the next question is for Representative Moon. Representative Moon, you said during a recent debate, the last people I would trust to help you fill out a ballot is the government. So if not the government, then who? And how would you improve that process? <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, let me give that some context. Um, yes, I was talking about uh, a bill, House Bill 441, that Senator Sousa had brought forward, and this was a bill that would allow uh, the government to go in, uh, employees or volunteers of the clerk uh, of that county to go in and help seniors in assisted living or um, in, in senior homes, uh, nursing facilities, and help them to vote. Um, my point is I do not trust the government because you never know which administration is in place and uh, even though this is, should be a nonpartisan position in all regards, um, even though we are elected as Republican, I know that once I step into that office, I will be working to make sure everything is uniform and a level playing field for everyone. But as far as this bill goes, it was actually uh, government-sponsored ballot harvesting, and I've said that numerous times. No. When we can have uh, a county clerk train a volunteer to go in and help them, or the other alternative is to have one Republican and one Democrat, both of them to go into this assisted living center to help them fill out their ballot. No, they have family members, they have guardians, there's another way that we've already been doing this. If you want to keep uh, people from coming in with certain political groups and trying to get them to vote a certain way, that's one thing. But we should not have ballot harvesting in any regard, especially if it's government sponsored. You mentioned it's, it please, should be a nonpartisan position, but you've been you a very partisan. You can respond partisan. in just a second after her follow-up question, and yes. You've been a very partisan legislator in the legislature as a Republican, so you say it should be a nonpartisan office, but you've, you've campaigned as a very partisan person, so how do you square that? <laughs> well, Democrats are also very partisan then, so I guess that goes both ways. There is no doubt I'm a constitutional conservative Republican. I've never made any bones about it. I, re I represent the most rural part of this state. I represent my constituents. That's what they hired me to do. So that's my job. I will do my job to the best of what they want as, as a majority in that group. Now, as far as the state goes and running this office, I have always been extremely fair. I, I'm very proud of how fair I am in dealing with issues. And to me, if somebody in a, the Democrat Party was being scrutinized over a campaign financial report, unlike someone in the Republican Party, I won't hear of it. Every, everybody is putting it on the line to run for office. Every, everybody is sacrificing to be away from their homes and families to run for office. And I think they should all be given due respect for what they're attempting to do. And they want to represent their party and for their constituents. So as far as my fairness, I don't even think that should come into question. Senator Sousa, I will give you 30 seconds to respond briefly, and then we have to move on. 
Thank you, Melissa, but 30 seconds is not enough. Dorothy, your evaluation of my bill is fake news. That absolutely is totally and completely the opposite of what the bill did or purported to do. And it was vetted by election, national election experts. Let me tell you one of the negative outcomes without this kind of protection for our nursing home residents. Wisconsin's report that just came out shows that because they didn't have secure voting assistance in their nursing homes, they let me read this to you. Wisconsin actually had serious problems. They unlawfully violated their rules by protecting nursing of, of protecting ho nursing home residents, which resulted in a 100% voting rate in most of their nursing homes. And these are nursing homes with dementia patients and patients who are ineligible voters, and yet they were voting at a 100% rate because the staff in the nursing homes was illegally assisting and voting for the residents. We don't want that to happen, and people and staff who are volunteers trained by our election uh, offices are not government ballot harvesters, okay. and that is a terrible, I'm gonna have terrible to cut you off. I'm going to have to cut Mistruth. you off. Kelsey, the next question is for Clerk McGrain. Clerk McGrain, you are the only candidate in this race, as you've mentioned, who has actually played a role in running an election. So what specifically do you have in mind for improving at the state level? Uh, thank you for the question. And I think one of the things that was already touched on here, I believe you can hold conservative values and still build trust across all political spectrums. And it's one of the things I've done in my role, both as county clerk and as an election specialist over the years. I think one of the biggest things that we can do is to provide training and education for our clerks and for the election workers. It's one of the things I'm proud of. I've already taken a leadership role. Four years ago, I started the Idaho Elections Conference, bringing election officials from all parts of the state together to learn and to work with each other to make sure we're sharing best practices, we're learning from experts all throughout the nation, we're having law enforcement come in and do trainings on signature verification, some of the other important skills to maintaining the integrity of our elections. I think we can continue to build on that. Elections are complex. As we have more and more voters, over a million voters during the 2020 election, it becomes more complex and we need the tools to deal with that. Some of that relies on technology. When I started and we were using punch cards, we weren't worried about cybersecurity and attacks from China or Russia or elsewhere. Now cybersecurity is one of the biggest challenges we face. And I'm the only one who's worked on these issues and worked with partners, uh, both at the national level and the local level, including the Secretary of State's office, to make sure our elections are secure. I think we need to continue to do that because I really do believe there are tools and ways where we can make voting both accessible and more secure at the same time. The next question is from Betsy Russell. This question is about where you draw the line between what you just mentioned, making voting accessible and making it so burdensome that legitimate voters can't vote. So I would like to ask all three of you, starting with Clerk McGrain, which would be worse, a fraudulent vote being cast or a legitimate voter being turned away from exercising their right to vote? Betsy, you touch on a really important issue. Now, one of the things, I don't think there's many people in Idaho who've spent more time trying to ensure access to voters than I have, and expanding things like early voting, which is actually our most secure form of voting. 
One of the things that this question brings to mind is Kim Wyman. She's the Republican Secretary of State of Washington. And she noted over this last year, discussing some of the federal legislation where there was an effort to take over our elections, is that we have to be able to thoughtfully address these issues. Our country does have a history of voter fraud. Our country does have a history of voter suppression. And we need to be able to have on, honest conversations so that we don't make voting so secure that no one can access it, but also we don't make it so open that it's, there's opportunity for fraud. I think this, this balancing act is something that everyone is always trying to do. At the end of the day, our right to vote is a constitutional right. It's our opportunity to weigh in on our government. It's our voice. And it's so important that we protect and make sure that voters have access to the ballot box. There's too many efforts to try and stop voters when there are the tools to be able to address this and maintain that security. And it's one of the things as Secretary of State, because of my experience and on the ground work that I've done, that I'm ready to work with all 44 clerks throughout the state to make this happen. Senator Souza, same question. Which would be worse, a fraudulent vote being cast or a legitimate voter being turned away from exercising their right to vote? I think that a, a legitimate voter being turned away would be worse because they are legitimate. However, I don't think we need to ch choose between those two. I think we can fix our system to be accessible and safe. We have a voter ID problem, and as Representative Moon mentioned earlier, we have a situation right now, and I tried to get it fixed two, two sessions ago, but Clerk McGrain stopped it, telling me that we did not need to change our affidavit system. Right now, if Ryan goes in and doesn't have his ID at the polls, he can just say, oh, I left it in my car, I forgot. They will give him a paper affidavit. He can sign his name, promising that he is who he says he is. He, they will give him a ballot. He will vote it, and it goes in with everyone else's ballots, can never be retrieved or identified, as it should be for ballots not being able to be identified. But then we have the possibility that he was an unregistered uh, voter, that he was fraudulent. Let me just tell you, in the scheme of things, because we, we talk about voter suppression and all the rest of it, but I will tell you that the Carter-Baker Commission in 2005 said that photo ID is absolutely the way that we should go in the United States. And our country is one of the very few world democracies that does not require voter ID. Of the 47 countries in Europe, 46 of them require government-issued voter ID. Okay, public opinion in our country, public opinion strongly favors voter Senator. ID at 78% across all we demographics. Yeah, Let thank me, you. If I may respond. Just I'll so give you question. 30 seconds to respond and then. I think it's a misrepresentation. <laughs> I provided alternate legislation when we met on that to address photo identification. One of the things I want to share is you hear this talk about photo ID. With the tools that we now use, we track this. And in Ada County, 98% of voters provide a driver's license when they vote. 1% provide their passport when they vote. And the other remaining percent, percent either provide their military ID, their tribal ID, their student ID, their concealed weapons permit, or sign an affidavit. This isn't a rampant problem just like is being expressed. We actually have controls in place that so we can track it and enforce our laws at each polling location. In the 2022 we have to leave it there. I'd like to pose the same question to you. Which would be worse, a fraudulent vote being cast 
or a legitimate voter being turned away from exercising their right to vote? Well, I'm going to say the fraudulent voter. I'm going to make a call since these two wouldn't. I'm going to say the fraudulent voter because it's against the law. Okay, they have no constitutional right to be voting. As far as the legitimate voter being turned away, I will make sure as your next Secretary of State that we have a huge election uh, process of making sure everybody knows where their precinct is, what are the required paperwork for your first time registration, what do you need to bring in with you when you vote. So if you don't have a driver's license because you don't want to drive, you can still get the government issued ID. Maybe we need to let people know they can get one that doesn't have privileges so they can still have a state government issued ID. These are the sort of things that I would try to get out in public service announcements to make sure, hey, do you have your ID, don't drive, go get a state government ID with no privileges for $20. And if not, hopefully we can get some funds to pay for that, uh, as I had in the bill, my Secure Election Act for anybody who can afford an ID. Um, so anyway, it would definitely be the fraudulent voter. That, that would be the one for me. Right. Okay. Melissa, could I just respond, we, please? We're almost out of time, and we really do need to move on. The next question is from minute. Betsy. The one next question is from Betsy. This question is about the land board, so Good. we want to squeeze it in if we can. The land board on which the Secretary of State serves is charged by the Idaho Constitution with managing the state endowment for maximum long-term returns to the beneficiaries, the largest of which is Idaho's public schools. Clerk McGrain, how do you think the board can best accomplish that, and what, if anything, would you change in their current direction? You know, thank you. It's important that we talk about our lands. So many people move here because of the value of our lands and the resources. And it's important for public education, this endowment, that we can provide these tools and the funding that you mentioned. One of the unique things that I bring to the land board is I'm currently the only attorney running for a land board position, not running for attorney general. And I have the relationships necessary to be successful in this role. I'm proud to have the support of the associated logging contractors, the cattle association, the grain producers, and all the people who work hard using our land in this state. I think it's important to have those relationships so that we can maximize the value. The land board is facing some tough decisions. As more and more people move to Idaho, we've all experienced and seen the rise in property values. And now we have the challenge where sometimes the soil is worth more than the resources that are growing on top of them. Timber has been an important part of our use of our lands, and it's important that we continue to maintain that, but also look at this long-term investment. I have kids in public education right now, and I want to ensure that not just they benefit from it, but hopefully someday in the future, my grandkids and great-grandkids will be beneficiaries of our public education system and have access to the lands that so many of us enjoy. Representative Moon, same question. Would you stick with the direction that the land board has been going to maximize the long-term returns, or what would you change? I think I'd give them a little guidance, Betsy. I have been involved in lands for decades now. As a, with my master's in resource planning and actually living amongst the fires and amongst the wildlife and seeing all the damage that's been done because we can't get any fuels reduction programs done, uh, in that, especially in the salmon chalice, I think one of the most exciting things with the land board and working with uh, the director of the Idaho Department of Lands is the good neighbor authority. So currently, yes, we do. We do harvest timber on our endowment lands for our schools. That's a given. But now, since 2015, the good neighbor authority came into this state and would allow the, us, the state, to go into the federal lands and actually survey, cruise it, market it, and then auction it off. The state would get the proceeds from those funds, which is exciting because then we can go on and keep cleaning up the forest because the poor federal government is tied up in legislation and lawsuits so often that they can't do the real charge. It would be nice, though, if the, if the Idaho uh, Department of Lands could actually be funded 
more so from the resources than they currently are. Because if you remember with the Forest Service, back in the 70s before FLIPMA and other environmental regulations came down, the Forest Service was self-sustaining from mining permits, from logging permits, from wood cutting permits, and it was all taken care of. But now we're always tapping into general funds or we're getting into money we don't need to be getting into. We need to make sure that the land board is self-sustaining off of the resources as we expand into managing the federal lands. Senator Souza, same question. What, if anything, would you change about the direction the land board has taken? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Betsy. I am very surprised to hear Representative Moon's answers because we have lost here in Idaho, we have lost 40% of our forest firefighters and our, because our pay level is less than a, a fast food burger flipper and they have gone to other states or to the federal system. In the past, this past legislative session, Idaho Department of Lands, their budget bill came through with a slight increase in base pay for the wildland forest fire, firefighters up to $15 an hour and a separate bill came through for hazard pay for those forest uh, firefighters because that is what all of our surrounding states and, and the uh, federal government ha are offering. Representative Moon voted no on each of those bills. I think that we have to be reasonable when we are talking about the people who are at risk on the fire lines, we need to protect them and we need to protect our forests, which give us the resources. And the good neighbor authority is great, but none of the sales of that timber go into our endowment. And the Idaho Department of Lands told me that themselves. So we're glad to have the endowment and we use it for our public school system, but we have to also take care of our grazing land and all of the other issues that come before the land board. We're almost out of time, but I'll give you 20 seconds. Thank you. Uh, so I've got a comment on this that I didn't vote for it. No, I didn't vote for it. There's two different buckets of money. One is called general funds and the other is the, the firefighting funds assessment that every person who lives near the forest, be it Boise, Salmon Chalice or Payette, we get stuck with a fee. I pay $55 a year every year to go toward uh, fuel suppression and other, other things are putting out forest fires. And the fact of the matter is that money was $9 million that went to the Idaho Department of Lands they can use that money to pay extra money to firefighters. It should and not be coming out of state general funds. We are going to have to leave it there because the we are almost out Thank of you. time. We've gotten a maximum of $400,000 a year. Maximum. The last question is from Kelsey Mosley, and you'll each have 45 seconds to answer. So the Secretary of State is also responsible for publicly tracking elected officials' campaign donations, uh, but they have also been criticized as being toothless with low penalties for violations. Should the enforcement mechanism for campaign finance law be stronger? We'll give the first answer to Senator, Senator Souza. Thank you, Kelsey. I, I will plan as Secretary of State to sit down with all interested parties and review our Sunshine campaign donations laws because they have been, there have been changes here and there in the laws, but nothing consistent across the board. And so I think we have a bumpy ride. I've had all kinds of complaints as I've been around the state. There are some groups that are, are claiming that they are having a raffle. They've been having a raffle for a T-shirt or a hat, and people put $5 in for a ticket, and they are told by the Secretary of State's office that they have to have everybody's name, address, all of their contact information for that $5 donation. So we 
have to have a consistency and we have to sit down with all interested parties and work out something that it has common sense and works for Idaho. Same question to you, Representative. Yeah, and thank you for that question. The dark money is really a concern of mine, and I'm sure for everybody uh, in this room. But, uh, you know, the dark money is a big concern, uh, out-of-state influence coming in uh, our direction. Uh, fact of the matter is there's a lot of PACs that just kind of pop up, uh, and there'll be one group that makes multiple PACs. Uh, I, I think we really have to look at, at this as far as this hidden money that keeps making its way to candidates uh, for, for different groups. Um, other than that, I just think is the reporting, uh, the monthly reporting, especially now that they've got the computer program up and running. As many of you know, you tried to look back in December, November, it was very difficult to navigate the Secretary of State's website. Thankfully, it is up and running, and uh, it's pretty easy to navigate. But uh, we do need to work on uh, the Sunshine Report. Uh, th there's some things that definitely need to be worked on. Clerk McGrain, how about uh, you? Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, I'm proud to have worked on this issue and tried to increase transparency in government here in Idaho, specifically on campaign finance laws. I worked closely with the Interim Committee on Campaign Finance Reform four years ago to improve our system. It used to be in Idaho that there were 79 different entities in which people would report public campaign finance information. It was inaccessible. Even the legally reported information, it was difficult to find out who was giving to whom, where the money was going. We consolidated all of that into the Secretary of State's office in one source so that anyone can look at that information. We continue to need to do improvements. I agree that greater transparency is important, and that includes the monthly reporting that we have. But what, one of the things we need to do is just make it easier for candidates to comply. If we can improve our laws to make them simpler for people to comply, we can begin to better enforce our laws to hold those who are trying to influence our politicians accountable. All right. Clerk McGrain, it is time for closing statements, and you're up first. Well, thank you, Melissa. And again, thank you to everybody who worked to put this on tonight. Um, if there's one thing uh, that stands out, it's just thank you to you as a viewer for watching and being informed and engaged. Our republic depends on people like you. And if there's anything you take away is please vote. The election is on May 17th, and this is an important election for our state. And it's so important that Idahoans come out and vote in our primary. So many races will be determined here. I hope that it has stood out. I've spent my entire career working on elections and making sure Idaho's elections stand out across the country. And I will continue as Secretary of State to fight to preserve the integrity of our elections going forward and we'll build on our system. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm proud to be an Idahoan. I'm proud of the values I was raised on and I want my kids to be just as blessed as I have. I'm Phil McGrain and I'm running to be your next Republican Secretary of State. Thank you. Senator Souza. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you to all who have organized this evening. The Heritage Foundation and my membership in the Honest Election Project has brought me close to these people. The Heritage Foundation did a review, an election integrity scorecard for every state. Idaho is ranked 38th out of 50. We have a lot of work to do in Idaho to secure our elections. But it's a bit like going out to get in your car in the morning and you realize you've left the garage door open. You look around, you check everything, it looks okay, and you feel relieved. But you know that the neighbor down the street and other people in your city or town have 
had problems with theft and damage. So you, do you leave the door open the next night? Of course not, you close it. That's what we have the opportunity to do here in Idaho. Because of my background on the Honest Election Project and the information from the Heritage Foundation, we know what we need to do to secure our elections in Idaho. I have a list, I'm willing to do it. I, we have to secure our vote because it is the basis of all of our freedoms. I'm Senator Mary Souza running for Secretary of State, and I will secure the election system and protect your vote. Thank you, Senators. Thank you, Melissa, uh, and, and thank you for putting this forum on. It's, it has really been enjoyable. Uh, I, I, I'm, again, Dorothy Moon, and I uh, do want to be your next Secretary of State. I know that outside influence has definitely come into this state. The good Senator has gone after the clerk uh, on numerous occasions about uh, taking Zuckerberg money. And his outside influence, but you know, uh, she's also voted for a metadata center, no, and I now Zuckerberg not. will have a permanent footprint in CUNA. And so Zuckerberg is here, but the sad part is, as a resource person, that data center is going to take 70,000 gallons of water from our agricultural community. So uh, we've got to be very wise when we make votes. I didn't vote for it. She did. Uh, again, Mr. McGrain took the Zuckerberg money. We need someone who can uh, look deeper into a, a bill and also look at the big picture. In the big picture, Idaho wants to remain Idaho. We want to keep our rural values. We don't want to have big globalist uh, tech companies coming into this state, at least not from the people I've heard from. So I would definitely work to make sure that we shore up our elections and that we have free and fair elections okay. and our republic uh, will be salvaged because we are going to do the yeah. right thing here in Idaho. I'm Dorothy Moon and I'm running and that for is, Secretary of State. Thank that's you. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much for watching. We'll Melissa, see you at the polls. The Idaho Debates is organized by these partners. Funding provided by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, the Idaho Public Television Endowment, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.